title of the lesson today is Position on Purpose or Placed on Purpose. Have you ever been in a position where you feel that maybe you're not supposed to be there? Maybe even like serving in maybe a specific ministry that maybe you don't feel called or led to be serving in or maybe you need to be serving in a ministry and you've not given in and uh, yielded to that yet. Um, I think we all have times in our life where sometimes our spirit and our flesh are at war with each other. Maybe what we want in our flesh isn't God's will for our spirit. And so it's very important to pray, to seek after God's face, to seek his plan, his purpose, and his will so that his will will be done. And to do that, we have to let go of our desires, of what we want, what we think the plan should be, and where we think we should be. Um, so when we get our will and his will in unity, when we're willing to surrender and yield to him to be placed where he wants us to be, even if it's uncomfortable, and especially when it's uncomfortable, that is when great things will happen. And that is when the oil will flow freely. And that is when he will be able to do what he intends and wants to do through us and with us. So the lesson today, I'm going to read in Genesis chapter 26. I will read 1 through 6. Planted on purpose. Another story we're familiar with. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto, unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. I'm going to read on, but that is our main text for today. That is where my thought came from for today. Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, a beautiful promise, and will bless thee, another promise. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And then if we look at the first part of verse 6. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Because we read in the first verse. Philistines unto Gerar. Don't go to Egypt. Dwell in the land that I tell you of. So basically, don't go where you want to go. Don't go to where what looks good to you. Don't go to where what appeals to your flesh. Go where I tell you to go. So when we can truly be humbled and yield and surrender to God in his will, great things will happen. And so Isaac obeyed and he dwelt in Gerar. So sometimes from that thought, I got this thought. God takes us from where we thought we needed to be or where we wanted to be. To a place that we wouldn't choose to be. So that God can make us what he wants us to be. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes God will take you and me. He'll take us from the place that we thought we needed to be. To a place that we wouldn't choose to be. 
so that he could make us what he wants us to be, where he can plant us with a purpose for his purpose. So again, don't try to position or plant yourself in a place where God hasn't called you or led you. Trust him and be obedient to his leading. We've got to pray to be, like I said, in alignment. Our spirit with God's spirit. Our will yielded to his will. Not every season and place in our destiny is meant for us to live there. Some we just pass through. A season doesn't always last. It comes and it goes. It does the seasons in our life. We've all had seasons of growth, seasons of loss, seasons of abundance, and season of famine. God does not call us to these famine places or barren places as a punishment, but to make us lean on him, to trust him. One of the places that I would not have ever chosen to go on my own was the journey and the walk that I've had with Sarah. As a mother, I wouldn't have chosen for my little girl to be handicapped and go through all of the physical challenges and struggles that she does and that her condition has caused me also to face and go through struggles and help with my own health and caring for her. I wouldn't have chosen that. But God knew and he sees the end from the beginning. And something beautiful grows when we allow God to position us and to plant us where he wants us to be so that his purpose can be done, so that his will can be done in our lives and in the lives of all of those around us. When our promise and our position sometimes doesn't seem to line up, it could cause us to question God. Sometimes waiting is hard, especially in the generation we live in. We have microwaves and the touch of a dial and a touch of a button. And if you've got to wait three seconds for your internet to come up, you're like, okay, come on, come on. Nobody likes to wait for anything. There's not a layaway at a Walmart or a Kmart anymore. If you, if you want it, you get it now. Nobody likes to wait. Waiting is hard. But there's beautiful weapons that God wants us to get in our waiting. There's beautiful lessons that we can only truly learn and live through our waiting when we're planted. And when something is planted, what happens? It goes into a dark place. It's under the earth. It's planted. It's in a dark place for a little while. But as it grows, it breaks forth so that it can bud, so that it can bloom. When we allow God to plant us on purpose, he will let you break through. The time of darkness, I don't know how long it's going to take this little bud to break forth, but I know God is in control, and I trust him, and I rest in him, and I stand on the promises of his word that he says, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. If we yield to him and obey his voice, he will be with us, and he will bless us. So sometimes we won't choose where we want to go, and sometimes we think, well, that looks pretty good over there. I want to go over there, and then that spirit convicts us. And says, no, we need to pray and ask God where that you would have me to go. Right. What would you have me to do? So faith is being dependent on God in whom we can't see, not in what we can control. I am a doer. I am a fixer. If something needs to be done, I'll drag a chair over and climb on top of it to do it. I, instead of waiting five hours for an hour to get home or whatever. If so, I, and I've just always been that way. I'm, I'm very independent. And if something needs to be done, I'm just a doer. I just do it. I just take control. Sometimes to allow people to help me, 
I've had to learn that there's a blessing in receiving as much as in giving. And if I don't allow someone to help me, then I'm robbing them of a blessing that they would have gotten for helping me. And so we have to learn to let go of control. And that is hard. Like this morning, every Sunday, every Wednesday, to leave Sarah in class, even though you love and trust the teachers, it has nothing to do with that. That's hard because she can't speak and say, hey, this hurts, or hey, I need to scoot up, or hey, this. You may not see and know the little sign she gives me to let me know she needs a drink, or I can see on the look of her face, she needs to be readjusted. And so to let go of the control as a mother and entrust her to others is hard sometimes. Same thing spiritually, to let go of our control when we think, I got this, God. I know what needs to be done. I, I, I see it, and, and, and I got this. No, we have to trust him. We have to let go because then beautiful things happen. She absolutely loves Sunday school. She does little for class. This is big church, and that's little. That's little church. She loves it. She can't wait to get here. She drives, drives us nuts. Albert can tell you the day before. She, yes, you have to confirm all the time. You have tomorrow's class, and then on Wednesday night, God bless Sister Warner being in there with all those kids. Yeah, you're going to class. I love that she loves that, and, and her little spirit is fed, and that gives her joy and enriches her life, and that's beautiful. If I had that control and restricted that and kept her in here so that I could see her, look what all she would miss out on. And the blessings that she would give to others and the lessons that she would teach other kids on how to be kind and how to take turns and help push Sarah's chair and open the door for Sarah. There's lessons for everyone involved. For her to receive and them to learn how to give. So we have to let go of that control. When we take our hands off of things and totally just give it to God and say, I trust you. I'll stay here in Egypt. I won't go to Gerar because I, tr I trust in you, God. And we know that sometimes God uses strange places and uncomfortable positions to get an unusual gift from us. Sometimes we know like with that... All of it's got to be squeezed before you get the oil. With the grape, it's got to go through the pressing before you get the wine. There is a blessing in the pressing. Do we like the pain and the sacrifice and the waiting? No, but it's worth it all. It's beautiful. I love when beauty comes from brokenness. There's beauty in the blessing that comes from the time and the season of pressing. So again, we trust God because he is our only hope. It's in the darkness that we learn to follow and to trust after God because that we can't see him. We trust him where we can't trace him. We trust him where we don't see him. And in the darkness, when we're in the dark places, our focus is on him alone and not the distractions and the things of the world. We're focused on God because everything else is dark. So don't fear your dark places. Embrace them and say, God, there's a beautiful lesson in this. I'm gonna grow forth from this season of darkness. Sometimes we see best in the darkness because then our focus is on him and not on everyone and everything going on around us. Psalms 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's in the valley and the shadows that we see his light. For something to cast a shadow, there has to be a light. And I'm so thankful for the light of God in my life and for the strength and the peace, the rest that we find in the shadow of his wing and the beauty that grows in the valley. 
Flowers and the streams flow. Valleys are beautiful. Embrace our valley. Trust God. If he has you in a valley, trust that he knows what he's doing. And then let go of your control. And just let him take control. Because there's some valleys, like I said, that we wouldn't choose to walk through. But it's beautiful when we trust him and he takes us through them and we can look back and we say, what a beautiful life. What a beautiful journey. Find and embrace the joy in our journey, even in the hard places, because it's in the valleys that you get new strength, new faith, new anointing, new hope, new joy, new peace, new life. This is where we find Isaac in the scriptures that we read in the beginning. He's facing a place of struggle where God has positioned or planted him so that he can learn to depend and trust on God. Because in verse 2 we read where God tells Isaac, go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. That's an uncomfortable place for Isaac because Gerar is in a famine. Void of abundance. They're in a famine. It's a dry place. There's nothing about Gerar that would make anyone want to go there right now. It's an uncomfortable place. It's a dry place. It is a place of famine. Egypt was a land of abundance, a land of plenty. But he was told, don't go to Egypt where your flesh wants to go, what looks good to the eye. Go to where I tell the of. So this is where we find Isaac. Gerar is in a famine. Egypt was overflowing. But the example that we learn from Isaac's obedience and willingness to trust God in the hard and dry famine places shows us that it is then that God will truly unlock that beautiful oil of anointing in your life. That's where you will bloom. That's where you will grow. That's where you will flourish. That's where your ministry will flourish when you trust him in Gerar. So today be encouraged if you're in a season of Gerar. If you feel like you're in a spiritual famine. If you feel like you're in a physical famine. Whatever your need is today. A relationship that's fallen apart or, or a health, a medical report. Whatever your Gerar situation may be. Trust God knows what he's doing. He sees you. He has placed you on this journey. In the beginning of my journey with Sarah, she was just a couple months old, and we'd taken her to Children's Lebanon Hospital in Memphis, and they had done all kinds of scans on her little brain, and they came out, and they were telling us that part of her brain did not form. Her diagnosis was cerebral palsy because that's a very large umbrella. A lot goes under that, several different, moderate, high, whatever. Part of her brain did not develop would not develop. They didn't have life expectancy if it was a day or hours or weeks. They didn't know what to tell us to expect. All they did was show us the screen of my beautiful, perfect baby with partial brain. That's a Gerard place. When your world is rocked, when you get that medical report or you get that phone call and you've lost a loved one, when you're in that Gerar place, that famine place, that dry place that looks to be barren, when we have to let go of control, when the doctors say there's nothing medically we can do, we don't even know what to tell you to expect. Take your baby home and love her every minute that you have her. And that's what we've done ever since, and it's 26 years down the road. And she's very smart, and she's cognitive, and she understands, and she's sassy. 
She's perfect. She speaks in a language that only God can understand. And she smiles and lights up people's life. And she's a joy because God planted her what looked like to be a garage in my life. God planted her with a purpose. And she lives that purpose every day. And so in the beginning of our journey, through tons of interpretation from Brother Marvin Walker, when I worked at the Children's Mansion in Mississippi, God spoke directly to me. He stood behind me with one hand on my shoulder and his wife to my left. Spoke in tongues and the Lord told me, I see you. I have placed you on this journey. What a beautiful promise. So in my garage days, in the times of overwhelming, in the time of questioning, in the time of looking and saying, but God, there's a famine when Egypt is right here. Look at all of this. It would be easier there. Easier is not always better. And look at the beauty that what I thought was brokenness. It's not brokenness. It's exactly what God designed and intended and planted with a purpose. He knew what he was doing and he still knows what he is doing. So we trust him in our Gerar situation. Just like Isaac, we obey him, we trust in him. And when we feel overwhelmed, we can pray and we can go and hide under the shadow. We can run to the refuge that he is. We can rest in him. His strength is perfect in our weakness. He is faithful. He is so, so good. Even in the hardest of days and the hardest of times, God is faithful. He is good. He sees right where you are. He hears your cries. He sees every tear. He knows every pain, every question, every fear. He's placed you on your journey. Trust him to lead you. Let go of your control of thinking what is right and what is best and where you need to go. Let him truly lead you. Isaac didn't question God or didn't remind God. Do you not remember there's a famine there? He just obeyed. Help us, God. Help me not to grumble, not to question. Help me just to be willing and be yielded and to have a yes in my spirit. As long as it aligns and it doesn't go against the word of God, let me accept change. Let me be flexible, God, as long as I'm in alignment with your word and your spirit. Because we're in a world of change. We've got to learn to, to, to give. There's new ways of doing things and different ways of doing things. As long as it doesn't go against the word of God, then help me, God, to let go of control of what I think and let what you know to be best be done. The enemy isn't worried about you receiving a word or calling a ministry, but he doesn't want you to go and do anything with that ministry. If he's put something on your heart and he wants you to do it and you started it and then you stopped it, that makes him really happy. So if it's something you need to have God breathe a fresh breath of fire to stir up the coals of your heart and your ministry, in Jesus' name, today, God, do it. Breathe fresh on me, Lord. Stir it up, God. Help me to do what you have called me to do. Don't allow anything or anyone to come between you and your ministry, you and your calling, and you and your purpose. God wants our obedience to follow and to trust him, especially in the times where we can't see him. So we read, like I said, in 26, go not down into Egypt. He dwelt in Gerar, and verse 12 of 26 says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. 
And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks, possession of herds, and great store of servants. The Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines, had stopped them up and filled them with earth. There's a message in that right there, Brother Piles. I'll let you borrow it if you want. <laughs> And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. Don't be frustrated or upset when following the will of God causes someone to tell you to go out from among them. Because it will. There's people got places in our life for a season. There's some that will go with you from the end to the beginning. And that's beautiful. And there's some that are there for an intended purpose, for a season. And when God removes them or separates them from your life, trust God that he knows what he's doing, that he can see and he hears and he knows what we don't, the intent and the heart. Trust him. Verse 18. And Isaac digged again the wells of water. That's a powerful message right there which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. He renamed them. He brought them back. Verse 19, And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. This is in the valley of Gerar. In a famine, God provided a spring of water. 20, And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, the water is ours, and he called the name of the well Esau, because they strove with him. And they digged another well, and they strove for that. And he called the name of it Sitna. And so he removed from thence, and he digged another well, and for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Rehoboth means broad places, a place of enlargement and flourishing. So what appeared and what for the world was a famine, a barren, dry place, God brought forth a spring of living water and created a Rehoboth, a place of flourishing, a large place promising of growth, a place of power and of authority. Just like that, God has made room for us today. He has a Rehoboth for you. What appears to be a Gerar is only a Rehoboth. It is a place of flourish. It is a place of living water, his living water, springing forth, bringing life not just to us, but to all of those around us. The herdsmen that strove with him over those wells blessed and benefited from him digging that well. Keep digging that well. Keep doing what we're doing because others will be blessed, which is our purpose, to be a conduit, not to be stagnant and dry, but to be a conduit that, that spring of living water can flow freely through us, blessing and quenching the thirst of those dying around us. This world is in a famine. So many suffering, so much hurt, so much hate, so much evil and loss, as it's been brought out several times over the last couple weeks, beautifully last week with Sister Pepper. God, give us a burden, not just for our lost loved ones, but for the lost. Let us not just drive through a city and not be moved by compassion 
and move with action to do something about that, God. Bring it to our mind. Lay a heart upon me. Help me to pray and intercede for them. Let me be willing to reach into the very pit of hell to pull out those screaming and reaching for help today. Help us. Our Rehoboth, our place of promise, growth, and authority. And I again can stop and look at mine and Sarah's journey. What appeared to be brokenness and a death sentence, what appeared to be lack of life, lack of growth, is a beautiful thing that has grown and has produced beauty out of brokenness, strength, brought so much joy out of what began in sorrow. Only God yes. can do that. Yes. When we say, God, here I am. When I say, God, here she is. I physically laid that baby on the altar at the children's mansion, physically and spiritually. Here, God, I can't do anything. I would do my best to love her and care for her and give her all that I can. And then I know I step back and let you do what only you can. Because when he steps in that valley of Gerard, when he steps in that hospital room, when he steps in that situation, beauty comes from brokenness. Growth comes from famine. Waters break forth and flow mightily from what was famine and barren. He has made room for us today. A new level of anointing, authority, influence, and power. It is in our Rehoboth where we come into the fullness of who we are in him. Where we will go and grow and flourish and be what he has planted us to be. Our purpose of being here in this day, in this time, in this hour, in this church. Is to be involved. To sow into the kingdom. To bless. To be active. We have allowed some wells of purpose, destiny, health, finances to be filled in with stones of the earth. Just like we read, he had to redig those wells because they have been filled in with stones and earth. So I stop and I ask you as my spirit made me stop and pray and ask myself, have I allowed rocks and dirt, distractions and cares, emotions and things of this world to dam up a well. I don't want my well blocked, Brother Zelke. I want it to be able to flow freely. I want to be able to lower the bucket and bring up a bucket of living water that will quench not only me, but all of my family and all those that I love. We have to redig the wells. We've got to go back to basics. We've got to go back old school. Get out of the media and get in the word. Get in the word. Hold it and speak it. I gave a, a baptism Bible study to Leah the other day. And I told her, just pick up your Bible. You don't know what to pray. Open it. Read the word. The spoken word of God is powerful. It is a sword. Use it to cut into your situation. To separate the good and the bad. Pray for discernment from God to show you what to do in your life. What to hold on to and what to let go of. He will. He will speak to you. He will lead you and guide you through his word. Every promise. We have a mighty weapon. Use it. Yes, I use my phone and Google sometimes to look up scriptures and stuff because you can put in a few keywords and boom, take you there. Thank you for that convenience. I appreciate that. But when I am needing that alone time with God, I pick up my Bible. I love to hold it. I've got my daddy's Bible. I've got my grandma's Bible. I get them out and I look at their writing in the signs and I hold it. That is beautiful and that is priceless. This word of God is beautiful and priceless. 
Keep the word of God. Because what happens if your internet goes down? What happens if the satellite is hit and knocked out of the air? Then you're just lost. Nothing is going to, satellite ain't going to affect this. I don't have to plug it in. I don't have to recharge it. It never goes out. The battery never goes out. There's never famine. Keep the word. Read your word. Speak your word. Live the word today. The only way you're going to be fruitful and faithful in a Gerar place is if you stay in his word, if you stay in prayer, if you stay in his presence. Because in this flesh and in this world, we can't do it on our own. We can help and encourage one another, but there's times when I need help that no one else is there. And it's me and God, and he's all that I need. And it's in those moments when he again reminds me, I see you. I've placed you on this journey. I'm right here. We are never alone. So today we need to go and redig the wells that the enemy has filled up with stones and earth. And maybe we've even filled them up because of hurt or bitterness. Maybe it's a place we don't want to go back to because it reminds us of a loss. And the only way to heal over that is to face it and to allow God's living water to flow freely over you. To cleanse you of the loss, of the pain, of the fear, of the anxiety, of the depression, whatever that it is. Isaac redug the wells of his father and he called them back. By their original name. So today, I want to say, let's remove the earth. Let's remove the stones that are stopping the flow in our wells of God. And let's rename them. Name them delivered. <laughs> name it filled. Name it renewed. Name it overcomer. Name it conqueror. Because we're all of those and more through him, in him, and by him. Redig the wells. Don't let anything block the flow of God's love and life in your life and in your ministry. If you've allowed it to be damned up, meet God right here in prayer. And with his help, he'll give you the strength. You pull out every stone of hurt. You take that stone of jealousy out. You take that stone of forgiveness out. Whatever it is, whatever distraction, whatever negative, whatever evil has been thrown or put into that well, take it out. And then you rename it what God has called it to be. What God has purposed it to be. You call it life. You call it healed. You call it well. You call it prosperous. You call it much. Overflow. You speak life into your situation. Into your garage. Thank you, Jesus. Psalms 18, 16 through 19 in closing. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me, not my God, but for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing else you tell yourself. The Lord is my stay. Whatever's thrown at me, whatever tries to block this well. God is my stay. The Lord is my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. That's our Rehoboth. He delivered me because he delighted in me. He wants us in a Rehoboth today. A large place of blessing. A place of growth. Of abundance. Of fruitfulness. So today I encourage you. Push through the distractions. Take the time. To pick up those heavy stones. It's going to hurt. It might be hot. It might be sweaty. You might have to sacrifice. You might have to miss a meal or two. You might have to give a little extra in the offering. Whatever it is that God lays on your heart to do. To get the stones and the dirt out of the well. 
Redig that well. Redig the well of your ministry. Like I said, because the Lord convicted me of a few things that I'm like, I've got to get back to this. God, you put it on my heart and I've done this. I know you're in it. I'm getting back to this. We have to be obedient and faithful. And then God will do what only he can do. Don't camp out at the wells of Esek and Setna. We read that. Those are the places that they contended with him, that they fought over the water. Don't stay in a place of contention and drama and opposition. Remove yourself. You can't draw and drink living water from a bitter well. Be careful what well we drink from. Pray for discernment. Just as Isaac moved from there, we too must move. Separate from the negative, the worldly influence, redig the wells, get back to the basics. James 1.21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Remove ourselves from wickedness and get into the crafted word of God. That is where your help comes from. That is where your strength comes from to face, and not just face, but to live triumphant, to live abundantly, to live in the overflow in the garage place. He will bring forth that living water. It was beautiful in a famine dry place. Only God can do that. So today as we stand and they start the music, we'll transition, go into a word of prayer. Be preparing our hearts and our minds for the next part of service. And let us just pray, God, if there be anything in me that would prevent your living water from flowing in my life and into the life of those around me. Show me, God. Bring it to my mind. Let me see what needs to be removed. Let me see what needs to be taken out of the place. Let me redig the wells, God. Help me to get back to the basics, Lord, to trust you, to make sure things align with your word, not with culture, not with what the world says, not with what man says, but, God, with your word, because that is where our growth comes from. So let us just all join in prayer. If you want to come forward and pray at your seats, we'll enter into prayer.